Uh, I want to start off by um, doing a quick poll, okay? So by a show of hands, how many people in this room would say that you're willing for your life to be used by God? If you would say that, raise your hand. Good, because that'd be awkward if nobody raised their hand at that point. <laughs> All right, so I want to ask, for those of you that raised your hand, let me ask you another question. And I don't want you to raise your hand for this one. I, I just want you to think about it. For those of you who are willing to let your life be used by God, how many of you have made your life available? Okay? Because there's a big difference between being willing and being available. And here's what I mean by that. When we say that we're willing, we're saying it's something that we're not opposed to. If, if need be, I'm happy to do it. Okay? But when we, are, when we make ourselves available, we're saying that I'm ready for immediate use. I'm free and able to do something at a particular time. All right, so let me give you an example of, of what I mean by this. How many of you have ever run into a friend that it's been maybe two or three years since you've seen this friend, and you randomly run into them on the street, and you just start talking, you, you catch up on life a bit, and you find out what the other person's been doing the past couple years, and at the end of the conversation, you say, you know, we should get together sometime. And the other person says, yeah, we should really get together. And then you leave. What happens? Two weeks goes by, two months goes by, six months goes by, a year goes by, and you never get into contact with that person. And then you randomly bump into them on the street again, you catch up on what happened in the past year, and you say the exact same thing. You say, we, we, we should get together sometime, right? How many of you have been there before? You see, here's the thing. You were both willing to meet up but neither of you made yourself available. You see the difference? You were both willing to meet up, but neither of you made yourself available. You didn't say, yeah, why, why don't we get together on, on Wednesday for lunch? Or maybe we can get coffee on Friday. Or we're going hiking on Saturday. Why don't you join me and my group of, of friends? See, there's a difference between being willing and being available. So when I ask you if you're willing to be used by God, saying yes to that, that's the easy thing to say yes to, but have you made yourself available? And I'm asking this because this is something that God has been challenging me personally on, especially this past month in my life. And I recognize that I am so quick to say, God, I'm willing. I'm so quick to sing the, the songs, the worship songs, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm just a, a vessel ready to be used. I'm so quick to, to sing those things. And God's really been revealing to me mindsets that, um, I carry that have hindered my availability to be used by the Holy Spirit or to, or to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this afternoon, I want to talk to you um, about three things that God has been revealing to me in my own life. So this is a bit of a personal message, something that God's been dealing with in me, showing me areas where certain things that have been killing my availability to be used by him. There's a ton of stuff that we can talk about. I'm sure there's, there's endless amount of things that are always trying to distract us and pull us away from being used by God. Um, but I just want to share three things that have been personal to me. Before I say that, though, I do want to say this. Because some of you may be thinking, I'm not a minister, though. Or I'm not in full-time ministry. And I, I, I want to say this to you, that if you're a Christian, you are called to full-time ministry. If you are a Christian... 
you are called to full-time ministry. It may not be vocational ministry, meaning you're not getting paid by, a, by a, the church. But if you are a Christian, you are called to full-time ministry. Why? How does, how does our Bible school summit define ministry? It's what? All right. Living for the benefit of others, right? It doesn't matter what your occupation is. It doesn't matter where you are. We can always be living for the benefit of others. So every single person that claims to be a Christian, you are called to full-time ministry, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the workplace, okay? And we need to understand that. And so the title of my, of my sermon this afternoon is, Are You Available? So let me share you some things that God has just kind of been revealing to me personally on my own availability and, and some mindsets that can kill it. Number one is this, it's convenience. How many of you love convenience? Everybody, right? Our culture is huge on convenience. Whatever company is doing convenience the best is the company that's on top. Think of some of the modern day things that we have that make our life convenient. Think of the cell phone. Look at your cell phone here. If you have an Android, just go ahead and put that back in your pocket. <laughs> or, or, this is Apple right here. <laughs> no, but think of... Think of of how convenient a cell phone is. I have, I have a camera on this phone. I don't have to carry one of those bulky cameras with me. I can, no matter whether I'm on vacation or just walking down the street, I have access to a, a really good camera. I can be anywhere in the world and I have a GPS system. I have maps on my phone so I can know where I'm at. If I forget my wallet and my credit cards at home, I have something called Apple Pay. I can, I can pay with my phone. I can check email. I can check all my social media, keep in touch. I, I can stream anything on my phone. I mean, think about, I've seen so many people that have a big plasma screen TV hanging on the wall, but they're sitting here like this watching all evening on their phones because you can do everything on your phone. You can stream Netflix, you can do Hulu, you can do whatever. You can have your music on your phone. Remember there used to be such thing as an iPod? But what's the point of that anymore? No, we, we have everything on our phone. You can even have the, the Bible and, and take notes on the sermon on your phone. So for everyone who has your phone out right now, I want to thank you for using the Bible app and sermon notes and that you're not on Instagram or Facebook right now. So thank you for that. We have so many modern day conveniences. Fast food restaurants. We don't have to spend hours cooking in the kitchen. We just go to a restaurant. We can get our food in a few minutes. And then at some point along the line, they, they threw in the drive through because we don't want to get out of our car anymore. <laughs> and now we don't even want to drive there. We just get things delivered to us, right? It just gets more and more convenient. I read an article about how Starbucks is starting a delivery service in 2019 at certain locations. I can remember a time where I refused to pay $4 for a coffee. But now, for a small fee, you can have them delivered to you. You can have your grande, iced, sugar-free, vanilla soy latte delivered to you for only $9 now. <laughs> and all the ladies said amen. <laughs> I read another thing that said Amazon. They're coming out with these stores where you can download the app on your phone. You just scan it and walk into the store. 
you grab the groceries off the shelf, you put them in a bag, and there's like this crazy camera system that's keeping track of everything you're putting in that bag. And then you simply walk out of the store. You don't check, there's no checkout. You just walk out of the store. Can you imagine something like that in New York City? How awesome that would be? You just walk out of the store, and Amazon knows what you took, and they'll charge your Amazon account later. Convenient. And then my, my um, latest favorite, who's ever heard of um, smart lights? Like light bulbs that are smart. I'd never heard of them until recently. It's, this, it's a light bulb, just a regular light bulb that it's almost like it has this little computer system connected to it that can connect to your Wi-Fi. All right, and, and then through Wi-Fi, I can, I can control the light with my phone or I can pair it with my Alexa or my Google Home, whatever you have. And all I got to do is this. I got to say, Alexa, turn off the kitchen light. It shuts off. Because flipping a switch is too much work these days. I don't want to have to do that anymore. <laughs> if, if something can be made easier, why not, right? You know the, the saying that says, work smarter, not harder. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's where we can get into trouble. And this is what God was challenging me on. He's, does this convenience mindset run over into your ministry to others? Think about that. And I, I want to share a story um, in my life of where it recently did. And God had to confront me about it. I was in line at the grocery store. I was getting ready to go through the self-checkout. And all the, all the lanes were taken. So I'm, sitting, I'm standing there waiting. And the woman that was kind of in charge of, of keeping things going in that area, she sent me over to the customer service desk to try to help me out, get me through quicker. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll go to the customer service desk. And so I went to the customer service desk, and the woman there was on the phone. Because they don't just check out the groceries there. They have to take phone calls and complaints and all that kind of stuff. So she's on the phone, and I'm setting all my groceries up on, on the counter. And I, I just had to stand there and wait for like five minutes because she's dealing with someone on the phone. And I'm getting so frustrated because I'm being inconvenienced. And at one point, I look back behind me, and there's two self-checkouts open and no line. And so I started to take my groceries off the counter and put them back in my cart. And I said, I'm going to go back to the self-checkout. They're, they're open now. And she's like, no, 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 no. Just give me, give me one minute. I'll be right with you. So I'm thinking in my mind, I know she's trying to help me, but she, she's just annoying me further because I, wa I want to check these things out and get out of here. And so finally, she, she got the groceries checked out. And I went on my way, left a little bit annoyed because I was inconvenienced. This was a Tuesday afternoon. Later on that night, um, our campus church, we stream the Tuesday night prayer meetings. And so I'm at that prayer meeting. And Pastor Carter is, is up here. He's talking about how his life was changed through the prayers of, of, I think it was three women that were praying for him. And he said that he started to have thoughts about God. And he didn't know why he's thinking about God. But it's these women that were dedicated in prayer for Pastor Carter. And he was saying that you never know how your prayer could affect someone. You may be the only person praying for them. You never know what your prayers could do. And he was just encouraging us to pray for the people that we interact with. And as he's talking about this, God brought my memory back to the checkout that I had been in earlier that day. And this is what he told me, okay? He said, Josiah, you were so caught up in looking for a convenient moment that you lost out on an opportunity for a kingdom moment. You were so caught up looking for a convenient moment that you lost out in an, in an opportunity for a kingdom moment. 
I was being inconvenienced. I'm just thinking of how they could have done things better. I'm just thinking about how annoyed I am with the woman at the desk. Then I'm missing that in front of me is standing a human being created in the image of God with a name who needs to know the love of God. But none of that mattered in that moment because I I was just thinking about my convenience. I could have silently prayed for this woman at the cash register. I could have asked her how her day was going. I could have said something encouraging. I could have been sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how he could have maybe opened up an opportunity to share the gospel with her or to invite her to church. But I wasn't worried about any of that. And here's why. It's because convenience is all about me. Convenience is about me. It's about something that's suitable for my purposes and causes no difficulty in my schedule or my plans. Now, convenience in everyday life, it's an awesome thing. But does that carry over into our kingdom mindsets where we're willing to be used by God, but only when it's convenient for us? That's not how ministry works. And when I, whenever I was operating, like, I was violating some of the most basic principles of Scripture. Philippians 2 verse 3, it says this. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 24. It says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Mark 8 verse 34. It says, and Jesus calling the crowd to him, And his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so I'm in this prayer service and God's bringing all this back to memory. And I started to think about the cross. Can you imagine if Jesus's ministry operated on convenience? There's nothing convenient about leaving heaven and coming to a broken world dying a painful death, being spat upon, being betrayed. There's nothing convenient about anything like that. And can you imagine if if God were only concerned about convenience? And we're, we're called to be imitators of God. And so has our movement, this is what I want to ask you, has our movement toward convenience in daily life in our culture cultivated in you a convenient mindset or over a kingdom mindset? Now, if it has, how do we overcome that? And I, I think the answer, Pastor Carter had that answer right there in the prayer meeting. Just start to pray for people. And this is what God was encouraging me with. Every time I go through a checkout or anytime I have an interaction with somebody, I don't always have to pray for them out loud. Just say a prayer for them in your mind. So I go to Planet Fitness in the mornings. And there's this woman there, the, the woman that um, is as, as at the sign, and her name's Debbie. So I took note of, of her name, Debbie. I try to ask Debbie how she's doing. And then when I walk away from the sign-in, I say, God, bless Debbie today. I pray that she would draw her heart towards you if she doesn't know you. I don't know what she's going through in her life, but I pray that she can find her answers in you. It takes five seconds. But you never know what your prayers will do for somebody. And not only that, but what it's also doing is it's bringing back a kingdom mindset. It's, it's beginning to focus on other people versus always just thinking about myself. Because let me, let me tell you, it's easy to think about yourself, right? That's easy. The hard part is, is trying to get your mind off yourself and start thinking about other people. And so God started challenging me, just start to pray for people. 
Be kingdom-minded versus always thinking about yourself and, and about convenience. Amen? Amen. So convenience was one thing that was, was killing my availability. Number two was this, was greatness. Or specifically, my desire to do great things for God. Now you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with wanting to do great things for God? I want to tell you um, a quote that I heard on a podcast that I was listening to. And the, the thing that this guy said, it really resonated with me because I could see it in my own life. And this is what he said. He said, many people say that I want to do great things for God. He said, unfortunately, what that usually means is you want to be known and famous and recognized and take God along for the ride. And this is what he said. He said, what if instead of doing great things for God, our mindset was just doing things for a great God? Think about that. What if our mindset wasn't about, oh, I want to do great things for God, but I'm just going to do things for a great God. And then I began to think about it. And in reality, we only ever just do things for God. There's no such thing as me doing a great thing for God. Jesus said it himself. Look at what Jesus said in John 15. John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And get this part. He said, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're going to bear fruit of any significance in your life, it has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If anything of significance is going to happen. It doesn't matter what fruit it looks like we have or what greatness it looks like we have. Nothing of kingdom significance will ever take place apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's, and that's why this distinction is so important because I began to compartmentalize things in my mind. You have things done for God over here and then you have great things done for God over here. And this is how it began to unfold in my life. There was one Sunday afternoon. We just got done with our, our service at um, Times Square Church Summit Campus, and I was asked to give um, one, someone a ride home. And Sunday's my nap time. <laughs> so I didn't want to give a, anybody a ride home. And I remember wanting so bad to be annoyed by it. But I could feel the, the finger of God on my heart being like, what are you doing? It's literally a five-minute drive there. Five, it was going to take 10 minutes out of my day to give this person a ride home. But this thing, it just felt so insignificant. There wasn't a lot of kingdom value to just serving someone and giving them a ride home. But I did it. I did it anyways, even though I wanted to complain. And I felt God begin to convict me of something. Because then I'm asked to share at the 3 p.m. at Times Square Church. That means I'm going to have to spend hours preparing a sermon. I'm going to have to drive three hours into the city brave the, the crazy New York City traffic, drive three hours back. It's a whole day ordeal. But did I get annoyed about this? Nope. You know why? Because it was a great thing for God. I'm doing great things for God. And this is what God began to convict me of, is that my pursuits of what I considered a great thing for God was making me apathetic and serving people in the simple ways. And this is the reality, though. 
This is why I say we don't ever do great things for God is because I can get up here on this stage, this great thing, and I can, I can speak to you guys. I can spend hours in preparation. And if the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the, the power of the Holy Spirit is not moving, I have done nothing. I've done absolutely nothing. I've, I've spoken words. I've given information without any possibility of transformation. And so unless God does something, I still have done nothing. And on the other hand, my simple thing of giving someone a ride home after church could have far more kingdom impact with God moving in it. And here's why. Get this. Because things only become great after God has touched them, not before. Things only become great after God has touched them, not before. That means that what I think is just a regular thing when touched by God can have way more kingdom impact than what I consider or what other people may consider great things. Think about it. Think about all the examples in Scripture. God has a a track record of using the most unlikely, the most uncapable. What if we were just like that, that boy who brought his five loaves and two fish to Jesus, and in the hands of the master, 5,000 people are fed by it? Or what if we're just like that group of timid disciples who got together to pray in an upper room, and when the Holy Spirit came with fire and and they preached the gospel, 3,000 people got saved? Or what if we were just like the Apostle Paul who offered up his stuttering words, but through those words planted much of the early church? It's because things only become great after God has touched them, not before. At the end of the day, the Bible sums up greatness like this. It says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And maybe God has called and anointed you to preach from this stage. Maybe he's called you to lead worship. Maybe he's called you to usher. Maybe he's put it on your heart to run cameras. Maybe he's put it on your heart to evangelize. Maybe you make meals for, the, for families that struggle. Whatever the case is, do it all for the glory of God. Those aren't just things, or those are just things that when put in the hands of God become great because we serve a great God. Amen? Yes. Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. For years and years and years, I read that verse, and what I envisioned in my mind as God is doing more than I can ask or think is me going to several countries across the world preaching the gospel and millions of people getting saved. That's the, that's the picture I had in my, in my mind. But what if far more above we can ask or think also looked like one of the women who chose, that was dedicated to pray for Pastor Carter, and God did more through her prayers that she could ever imagine. Nobody, how, who, who all knows one of the names of the women who prayed for Pastor Carter? There might be somebody, Pastor Carter, okay? <laughs> the rest of us don't know. From, from a human standpoint, that, that woman was insignificant. But from a kingdom standpoint, God used her to do incredible things because through her prayers, someone was saved that has reached nations. And so whatever God's calling you to do, don't minimalize it. And if you are in an area where there's, where where you're in, in the public spotlight, don't make it bigger than what it is because nothing's great until God touches it. 
We just do things, and in the master's hands, it becomes great things. Amen? And then lastly, the last point that I want to share with you about things that can kill our availability, and I think that this next one is probably um, the most prevalent in this room, and I've definitely seen it in my life, and it's fear. It's interesting, growing up, my mom always told me, Josiah, you're going to be a preacher. And I always laughed at it. I was like, how do you know? I don't know what she could possibly see that would make her say that, but I can remember at different times in my life, her telling me, you're going to be a preacher. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be a preacher. I didn't have a desire to be a preacher, but frankly, I was scared. I was scared of the thought of preaching. And then I remember at the age of 15, I had my first opportunity to preach. And it was for a children's sermon. Anybody know what a children's sermon is? I grew up in, in Midwest Iowa, and so I, I don't know like, how widespread this practice is, but they would do something where right before the main service for the adults or, or the main sermon, the pastor would call up the kids, and they'd do like a five-minute um, sermon in front of the entire church just for the kids. And so I remember one time that my dad, he was going to be doing this sermon, this children's sermon, and he was going to be using a, a cashew nut as an illustration of something. I don't remember what the illustration was. I just remember saying, oh, you should do this. And my dad was like, yeah, that's really good. You're going to teach the children's sermon. <laughs> and I, at 50, I begged my dad. I said, no, please. Like, I, I don't want to teach you. I was so afraid. And my dad was nice. And he said, okay, I'm not going to make you do it today. But I'm preaching again in two weeks. And I want you to share the children's sermon then. So naturally... For two weeks, I didn't eat or sleep. <laughs> I looked really good by the end of that, getting up in front of everyone. <laughs> so it gets to, the it gets to that, that morning, and my dad calls me up to do the children's sermon. This is my first time doing any kind of sermon or teaching at 15. And I remember my voice was shaking. I'm talking like this the entire time. I'm just trying to get breaths in between my words. It was like a nightmare. And there came the part where I was using the cashew as, the, as an illustration. So I, hold, I had to hold the cashew up. But I was shaking so bad that, that I tucked my elbow into my side so that they couldn't see my hand shaking. So I'm like, you see this cashew? And my dad's like, hold it up for everyone to see. This was my first time preaching of any kind. And then three or four years later, as I'm getting ready to go to um, Summit International School of Ministry, I asked my dad this question. I said, or I said, Dad, they're not going to make me preach, are they? And he's like, well, it's a Bible school, probably. And I just remember being so afraid, being so afraid of, of getting up in front of people, feeling like I, I didn't have a voice. And it's, it's always humbling for me now whenever I stand at this pulpit or whenever I, I speak at Times Square Church Summit Campus or wherever I am, it's always humbling for me to be able to Share. Because I know where I came from. I know the fears and the insecurities that were, had a grip on my heart. You see what God has done in my life now, but I know the, the fears and insecurities I had. I know the, the feeling that I had that I could never measure up. Or that there was always someone who was more capable of doing it than I was, no matter what it was that I was doing. I know the feeling. I've been there. I still face it sometimes. And perhaps you're here this, or this afternoon and you want to be used by God, but you're just so fearful. 
You have a lot of fear in your heart. Maybe it's a fear of not measuring up. Maybe it's a fear that you're unusable. Maybe you have a fear of man and you just, you're worried about how people are going to respond. Maybe you're afraid of, of failing and looking stupid in front of people and, and, and having to deal with embarrassment. Maybe you're afraid that God really isn't going to show up and that his Holy Spirit isn't really going to anoint you in the moments when you need it the most. Maybe you have a fear of persecution or trials. What, is, what are your friends going to say? What is your family going to say? Or maybe you fear that you just don't have the talents and the abilities to be used by God. I heard this story of a, of a man, he was looking for uh, an employee to be a handyman. And so he was, he was interviewing people and this one man came in and, he, and the employer said to him, so tell me about your experience in carpentry. And the guy said, well, I, I don't have any experience. And I said, oh, okay, well, we have other areas that you can, we can hire you for as well. He's like, what about masonry? What have you done in masonry? And the guy said, well, I haven't done anything in masonry either. And the employer said, well, okay, um, we, we also need an electrician. What about your experience with electrical work? And the guy said, I haven't done electrical work either. And the employer said, well, what makes you a handyman then? <laughs> and he said, I live just around the corner. And get this, despite your fears and insecurities or your, your fears of, of being unusable, sometimes the greatest ability in the kingdom of God is availability. And we're kind of going back to what we said before, things are only great once God touches them anyway. Sometimes the greatest ability that we have in the kingdom of God is availability. So what are the fears that you face? What's that cry in your heart of, of God? I, I, maybe you have a, this urge of God calling you towards something, to do something, and you're just holding back because you're so fearful of whether God could really use you in that way or not. I really feel that what God wants me to do um, for this last part is just to read several scripture verses that deal with fear. Because I, I could say a ton of stuff about um, how to overcome fear and all that kind of stuff, but nothing is gonna say it like the word of God does. Nothing is going to say it like the way God says it. So if the uh, band could come up and uh, start playing, and here's what I want to do. I really feel like God just wants everyone, I want you all to bow your head and close your eyes, and I'm going to read these scripture verses, and I want you to keep this in mind that this isn't someone on stage giving his or her ideas about how to overcome fear. This is the word of God. This is the very word of God. Amen. And as I'm reading these scriptures, I want you to open up your heart to God. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Have, not, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Isaiah 41.13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. And lastly, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's say that again together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Could I have everyone stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, God. God, we're so thankful that we don't have the pressure of doing great things for you. God, we just make ourselves available. God, and I pray for every heart in this, in, in this place this afternoon. God, maybe they can identify with convenience creeping into their ministry life or the, the thought of, of always wanting to pursue great things for you and starting to neglect what you've called us to do, which is just to serve people. God, or maybe there are people that have just deep-rooted fears in their hearts of, of whether they're, they'll ever be able to be used by you. God, whatever, whatever place we find ourselves in right now, Lord, we just lift our hands, Father, and we, we say that we are willing and we are available, God. God, I pray that we would, that we would be kingdom-minded in our interactions with people. God, that we can get our, self, our eyes off of ourselves and we, be, we can begin to look to other people. God, I pray for just an impartation of, of your heart into us. God, that you would give us a love for people that, that we don't have. God, we can't get that love on our own. God, we, we need you to give it to us. God, I pray that you give us eyes to see people the way that you see them. That people aren't just a means of, of, of being convenient for us, God, but that we see another person. That we see another person made in the image of God. God, I thank you for everything that you're going to do in the lives of, of, of the people here. God, I trust you. God, we trust you. God, we give our life into your hands. Use us how you want. Whether it's the, whether it's the way that we think that we're going to be used or not, Lord, I pray that we find such a deep-rooted contentment and peace in knowing that I'm just making myself available. I'm just going to do things for God, and God can do whatever he wants with my life. Whether it's perceived as great or, or not, I'm going to just do things for God. I'm going to make myself available. God, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this spiritual army right here. God, who's just making themselves available. God, I pray for a confidence and a boldness to just be evident in our heart, God. That you would drive out any fear, every insecurity, God, every condemning voice that says God can't use you because of your past. We just hear the voice of God right now. 
we just hear the still small voice of God commissioning us. God, and I, I pray that as, as we go from this place, that there would be such a, a joy in our hearts, that there would be such a peace. God, that there would, as Pastor Carter said, there's not a, a feeling of, we feel like we need to do something, God. We're just always available to when you want to speak, when you want to use us. God, and I, I pray that as, as we do that, as we go back into our homes, as we go back into our workplaces, as we go back into our, our communities, on the streets, God, wherever we're at, and you bring those opportunities, God, I pray that we can bring more and more people in to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. God, that you can begin to transform the lives of, of more and more people in this city. God, because we're simply making ourselves available to pray, to talk to people. God, whatever it is, we give our lives to you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you guys.